Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Her, a delusional look into the art of horror and all things spooky, kooky, and terrifying. I'm Adrian. And I'm Stormy. And this is the end, the culmination. Is that the word? Of culmination. Our, culmination of our, of our found footage horror month. It has been a month. It has been, you know, a ball. I had a good time this month, I would say. I've, I say it every week, but I've been having a good time with these movies. It's time to wrap it up. <laughs> I'm ready for something fresh and something different. No, I really have had fun, but I'm ready to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for winter. I'm ready for, you know, stabbing people with candy canes. It's always a ball to me. So I'm ready for the holiday spirit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, pretty much we are ending this week, our found footage horror month with two movies. Uh, we're doing a double feature for everybody and we're going to be discussing Creep and Creep 2. So we're going to be kind of going over both movies. Again, it's probably going to be all over the place and true to our style, but we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. We're going to just discuss the first creep film i'm sure we'll bleed in between both of them i'm sure that conversation i'm sure the second one will pop up while we're talking about the first um but yeah let's just go ahead and jump into the very first movie so first and foremost we'll be discussing creep originally released on march 8th 2014 it made its debut at the south by southwest film festival before seeing a more wide release in the states on june 23rd 2015 I wasn't able to find any specific budget information or anything along those lines, but the runtime is an hour and 17 minutes. It's very quick to the point, I would say. Directed by Patrick Bryce, the film also stars Patrick Bryce as Aaron and Mark Duplass as Joseph. So pretty much what we're looking at here is a videographer answers an online ad to document the last messages of a dying man. As the job delves into some strange territory, the man wonders if this ad was as innocent as it seemed. So creep. Uh, I mean, how do you feel about this movie, I guess, as a whole? Um, I think this goes for both movies, is that it's scary, but not in the traditional way. It's scary because it makes you uncomfortable. It's, I don't know, it's a different kind of fear, honestly. It feels more, like, natural, I guess. Okay. It's, like, it's a more visceral feeling for me. Is like it's a a body horror, I guess, is the best way that I can think of. Not like body horror is happening on screen, but body, like my reaction is bodily, is like I'm uncomfortable, I'm tensing up, I'm I feel awkward. Is that that's what these movies are, is they're awkward. And I hate being in awkward like situations. Yeah. And so it makes me like uncomfortable and like it's not often that I find like a lot of movies that I'm uncomfortable with. Cause like my comfort is like the really gross movies. So like to be made uncomfortable is just new, especially by something that's not like, if you were to show this to like a, a person who isn't part of like this horror realm, um, like I wouldn't be like, come watch this horror movie with me. Because I feel like whenever people on the outside picture horror, they're thinking like scary, spooky, I'm going to be jump, jumpy and like there's blood. Right. But this is just not, it's just uncomfortable, but it's good. 
I love this movie. Uh, was the first time that you ever watched it when we watched it on Instagram together? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. The first time I ever watched Creep was when I first moved to Vegas. No, 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 that's a lie. It's always when I first moved to Vegas. But uh, <laughs> the first time that I ever watched this film, Creep, was... Uh, I was probably in Vegas for about a year. I had just moved into a new apartment. And I remember I was, there was boxes all over my room. My TV had just barely been put up. And I was like, let me just put some horror movie on because that's who I am while I'm, you know, unboxing all these boxes and putting things away. Uh, So this movie was on Netflix and I was like, let me just give it a whirl. It seems interesting. Um, just, I don't know. It interested me for some reason. I remember it being the picture. I think it's the cover art where it's just like the outline of Joseph. He's standing at the top of the stairs, I think yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So it looked cheap. It looked so cheap and like so silly, but also very unnerving. So I was like, this looks interesting. Let me just throw this shit on. And I was taken to fucking outer space. Like I was like so fucking scared. I didn't know how the fuck I got through the entire movie. Like I was legitimately like, I stopped like unpacking. Like I was just sitting on the floor of my room and just staring at the TV and was like, the lights were on. Like I literally had them on as bright as they could go. Cause I was that terrified. And um, I don't know. It was so scary. Like it freaked me the fuck out and it's kind of stuck with me ever since then. It's probably honestly my, well, probably my second favorite found footage film. I still put wreck at the top of my list. Um, but it like quickly ran up to being like one of my favorite horror movies. Like it just feels so, like you said, unnerving. And I think the found footage, I mean, it really plays into this movie. It definitely feels so realistic. And I think like the mind of a serial killer is always such an interesting topic. I mean, people, I mean, true crime is so huge because I mean, people are not only looking into the actions of these individuals, but they're also like very intrigued by their thought process. So it definitely feels like we're just talking to a serial killer for an hour and 17 minutes. And it's interesting, it's intriguing, but it's also super scary. And I don't know, I find some kind of weird enjoyment in all of that. Like I, it definitely, again, I don't know. I think the found footage is, again, it feels so right with like this type of movie. Cause like, it feels like I'm not supposed to be watching any of this the entire time. Like it just feels so visceral that it makes me want to fucking vomit and I enjoy it. Yeah. I feel like we did a really good job of like setting ourselves up for our viewing like on Instagram because we were watching like the Poughkeepsie tapes before this. We were watching Saw. We were watching like all of this very like, like you said, visceral, like uh, real life horror type shit that we really set up like a good environment for us, for this to be my first watch on Instagram. And I think that's really stuck with me, but I'm also impressed that the same feelings carried over when there wasn't a precursor. Like, yes, we have had, like, we've had a precursor here on the podcast, but like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm impressed that it's, it's stuck up so well, especially since we're, we've watched so many movies to compare it to. Yeah, definitely. It feels so unique at the same time as like feeling I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just what it feels like. It feels unique to me. And I don't, I don't know if it mm-hmm. is. I'm sure there's been plenty of other films and I can't think of any at the top of my head, but I'm sure there's also like a lot of, oh, well, the uh, the rise of Leslie Vernon also kind of comes into mind. It's like a found footage and they follow around a serial killer. Um, 
So that one definitely comes to mind as well. But Creep, I don't know. I just really like the atmosphere that it creates. I love the uh, the focus on just two people. Like we literally see only two people the entire time. And I love that. Like I legitimately love like that dynamic of it just being two people the entire time. Because it just opens up so much development. And uh, uh, call us snobby ass bitches. Call me a snobby ass bitch. But I love character development. And if you can like give me ins and outs and ups and downs of two people within an hour and 17 minutes and I'm impressed and like I definitely feel like I feel like a lot from both of these people I feel a lot from Joseph I feel a lot from Aaron I feel a lot of conflict I feel a lot of tension and it's just an enjoyable watch on top of being so fucking scary like it's literally so frightening and you know what is so funny is like in like researching the movie like apparently Mark Duplass and Patrick uh Bryce were aiming to kind of do more of like a dark comedy like they were trying to to make something that was a little bit more comedic a lot of it is improvised so with improvised or with improvisation I guess there just naturally comes comedy at times so I think they were trying to aim for that and when they had like started to shoot the movie and they were showing I think they were showing a couple of their friends or peers or something along those lines but when they started showing these people what they had filmed already up until that point they were pretty much like why don't you just like make it full-blown horror why don't you just like lean into the spookiness why don't you lean into the terror and just focus on that and like kind of maybe drop the comedy aspect um of the movie and so they decided to kind of take that ran, ran with it and gave us what we have now consumed like many times this is like my fourth or fifth time watching this movie um because i just enjoy it so much and what's funny to me is like the more i watch it the more comedic it does become like i start to pick up on yeah. a lot of it felt a little lines. campy this time around so campy <laughs> I mean, like, it made me laugh and you know what i also picked up on which i don't i think i was so like fucking stunned the first time I watched this movie and then when I watched it again with you which was my second viewing like I was so invested on your reactions and how you were reacting to everything that I never picked up on like the homoerotic tendencies that we see here girl she's there between both of these men like there is a lot of sexual tension I feel like that is something that we later learn about Joseph is he's literally just desperate for a connection. We address it a lot more in the second movie, but that's genuinely what he's searching for in life is just a genuine connection. And unfortunately it leads to a lot of people's demise. Yeah. Um, But that's all he wants. It doesn't. And it's not like he, he's not like a cis straight man like he he seems very in my eyes very pansexual in his becomings because there's he genuinely in my eyes i'm speaking for a fucking serial killer at this point (laughs) but like he (laughs) he's so desperate for that connection and not to say pansexuals are because mm, hello but um he it just seems like he doesn't care about what that person has it's just what he can get from that person what what he can gain in a connection from that person. And it doesn't matter what they are on the outside or what they identify as. Um, And that's kind of like where I start to kind of feel connected with him is like, I, a lot of people can genuinely like, I mean, understand that feeling. Yeah. Like you were, and that's another thing that I was going to bring up when you mentioned us, only having two people in the cast is that like we're given 
I mean, found footage in and of itself is very private. It, we're not supposed to be viewing it. Um, but like, it feels like I'm in this relationship with these people. You get to see the ins and outs of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. It's a very interesting take on the whole like found footage thing, not to mention the whole serial killer Craigslist aspect of things. <laughs> yeah. Like the bare bones of it is it's like still a, a serial killer posting Craigslist ads and getting people to come and kill them. Uh, but yeah, I think another thing that is so terrifying about the movie is like while you're watching it, there are times where Joseph comes off as endearing. Like you literally understand what he's talking about sometimes like you understand the sense of loneliness you understand the sense of just wanting to connect with somebody and yeah. I mean, obviously he takes it to like an extreme level but like you everybody has like these emotions and everybody can feel like that and so sometimes it's scary because you're sitting there and you're going to be like why am I thinking like a serial killer sometimes like, why am <laughs> I why is he relatable yeah like why am I thinking that and that's what's scary because it kind of comes down to and honestly Mark Plus does a fantastic job but like there's just so much charisma that comes from his pores <laughs> like he just comes off as like very endearing like you said he comes off as like likable and approachable maybe a little too much and that's kind of where the creep comes into factor here because it's a little it's a little much and i'm the type of person where if like if i were to meet somebody like this in real life and they were just like on it like that i would immediately be like can you literally fucking take a breather and like nah. me, yeah <laughs> like give me some fucking time but like when you're just watching this movie like over time you're like mm, I can definitely understand maybe why people like Aaron maybe are sticking around so much because I mean he also sets up these fucking crazy elaborate stories of him being you know a cancer survivor and this and he that instantly taps into the human need to be there for somebody who's in like that taps into empathy Mm-hmm. Like that's, you can't be fucking mean to a man who's dying and making videos for his kids. Like, how can you be a fucking asshole and leave? <laughs> but that's like where the manipulation comes in. And that's where, and honestly, in like my second rewatch here, getting ready for the podcast, the first time I watched it, like, again, it was just like an enjoyable watch. I had a good time. But by the time I went through the movies again, the second time, like I wanted nothing more than to just punch him in the face joseph because mm-hmm. the gaslighting and the manipulation is far too much um because it's just like it's so annoying like just the fact that because there's a part in the second movie where he's talking to sarah in that movie and how he mentions like sometimes like he puts up red flags um deliberately and like he kind of mentions like how sometimes he feels like these victims of his like want to die like the fact that they allow themselves to just continually be pulled into uh, whatever it is that he's serving them pretty much. And like, when he says that, it pisses me the fuck off because I'm like, no, like you manipulate them to the point to where they they don't know what to do. They're first and foremost in a secluded area with nobody but you. You start, I mean, at least what we see with Aaron here, like you start first with like, I mean, I mean, uh, what more of a sob story can you say than I'm a cancer survivor, I'm dying and I'm not gonna be able to meet my unborn son. I mean, until you attack this man and literally try to kill him, Aaron, the entire time, is going to be having that probably thought, that thought in the back of his head the entire time. And no matter how weird or awkward this man is, I mean, he probably feels nothing more than remorse for him and sympathy for him because he probably just thinks he's a lonely, weird guy by himself. 
and he's dying of cancer. So it just pisses me off. Like the manipulation there is so annoying to me. Um, but that's when you kind of get past just the general performance that he's giving. Cause I mean, the charisma is still there. Like he does still come off as like very friendly. And I think a lot of people are off put by friendliness. I think that's probably why it's so creepy because I mean, how often really in day-to-day life do you meet somebody who just maybe seems so interested in you also? It comes off as, and maybe I'm just an asshole, which is completely possible. <laughs> but when somebody's sugar sweet, I'm like, what do you want from me? Oh yeah. Again, I would shut this shit down. I would mm-hmm. literally be like, you're fucking, you're something it's else. It's suspicious. Yeah. So, so sus. So many red flags. So sus. So, well, from the beginning, I mean, the first movie starts obviously with Aaron making his drive out to this remote mountain town. I guess we really don't know where this is, um, but I couldn't. I'm assuming it's somewhere in California. Would be my assumption. It kind of looks like Big Bear. In That's California. what I, that was genuinely what I was reading to you in my mind is Big Bear, California, because that's what I. <laughs> That's how I pictured. That's what because when we go back to Aaron's house, I mean, it just looks like a street in Los Angeles or somewhere. So I'm assuming it's somewhere in California that they did all this. Uh, but he's re- he's driving out to this remote little cabin getaway, and the ad is just somebody looking for a videographer for a thousand dollars a day. Be discreet about it. That's all he knows. And like on his drive up there, he's like, "Oh, it could be anybody. It could be a woman in her forties, just ready to, you know, touch a me cougar ready much. to make corn." <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And I was like, girl, no. Would you ever answer a Craigslist ad? Or have you ever answered a Craigslist ad? Don't call me out. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yes, I have. Interesting. Uh, was it sexual in nature? <laughs> girl, get the fuck out. No. <laughs> okay. It was like a babysitting ad, which in and of itself uh was shady as hell shouldn't have done that i've honestly put myself in a lot of those situations i've put myself in a lot of air situations um and like so far it's worked out but i should probably be dead in a ditch somewhere yeah i think that's a scary thing with craigslist is like it it really could be anything i mean like you go on there and there's like sections obviously if like if you're looking for something sexual if you're looking for something uh you know <laughs> if you're looking for some type of like manual labor to be done around your house whatever it is like the ads are there but it's scary because you really like don't know and right. like even things some like some of which, those are human trafficking straight up girl that part but it's also terrifying because like it's scary and like i can sit here and be like that's kind of gross like why would you even bother answering a craigslist ad it's so sketchy but then there's people me myself included who are on tinder who are on grinder who are driving to strangers homes in the middle of the night to get their fucking back blown out and like, I mean, who knows, like, if that's really going to happen, you might get your backbone out and then your neck cut at the same fucking time. With an axe. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's scary. And like, we really do put ourselves into situations of like being vulnerable. Uh, so I think that's also really creepy, but he, Aaron is here to make some money. He runs up to this house. Uh, we first meet Joseph in a jump scare. Like, and I think it's honestly probably the scariest part or the, like the biggest jump scare for me is this first jump scare for whatever reason it got me so good the first time i watched it and it still gets me every single time but just a loud ass bang at the window freaks me out but yeah i think that one and then whenever he first shows up wearing the wolf mask oh yeah are probably like the first like the only two times that i like genuinely had like a physical reaction (laughs) (laughs) well and then don't we see the act 
axe like almost instantly in one of the first things that aaron sees is the axe yeah outside the house and like he zooms in on it like they make a point to bring it up um but yeah it's i don't know it really is the situation really is unnerving already uh, but upon meeting Joseph, I mean, he immediately gets into the sob story. He explains to Aaron why he wants him to record him. He compares it to a film called My Life, which I've never seen and I probably will never watch. Um, but that's kind of where we are. He's wearing the most ridiculous, like, track pants or, like, jogging pants I've ever seen in my life. The ones that have, like, the little zipper on your ass crack. They always mm-hmm. make me laugh. Um, and he looks so funny in them. I'm sorry. He does. A mess. Uh, he just comes across as like like the 40 year old virgin vibe a try hard bitch he literally feels like (laughs) an alien i feel like that's how i honestly was getting a black hat chow (laughs) yeah i was getting like american psycho vibes like in that movie like patrick bateman's explaining how like he feels like he's not human and like he operates every day with trying to like come off as being as human as he possibly can. And I don't know if that's like a common thing within the mindset of a serial killer. I mean, that's a psychopath. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Because that's just what it seems like. It seems like he's trying so hard to be relatable. Like he's trying so hard to be, and I hate tryhards. I hate bitches like that. So if he was like, again, if he came at me with this energy, I'd be like, keep the $1,000. I'm so good and have a great day. And I would leave immediately. What's so scary about him is he's, I feel like he's genuinely a psychopath where they don't have a grasp of like human emotion, Mm -hmm. but he's knowledgeable and smart enough about human emotion that he knows how to use them against us. And that's what makes him terrifying as a person is like, I don't think he personally experiences these feelings. And that's why he's so over the top is because he thinks that's how the emotion should come across. Yeah. Um, but like I said, he he knows enough to like use it against us in the end. Yeah, exactly that. And he also obviously has like a fascination with wolves and puts himself in the position of being a wolf. Being a lone like, wolf. <laughs> yeah, like he definitely has, uh, he has an interest in that. So, and he also explains to it, or he also explains to Aaron a little bit later on in the movie as well, like how with wolves, like they have such strong emotions, but there's no control there. So, I mean, kind of to feed into what you were saying, like it definitely feels like he understands what emotions are, but he doesn't know how to control them. Yeah, I just, he is. He's something else, right? He's got a range, but like it, it's genuinely a very quick cycle of emotion. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. That's another thing is it's like, it's so off-putting because we don't know how to wrap our head around it. I wouldn't know how to react if I was in Aaron's shoes. Exactly. Um, Like the whole tubby time thing. That's when I would have, cause like knowing me, I probably would have put myself into the situation and accepted the job offer and went inside, but tubby time, I'm out, I'm out. Because he's, yeah. he's lifting an imaginary baby, and I don't, I don't know why, but I just would feel so awkward. Because I know I'm sitting on the toilet at that point, uh-huh. right? <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> sitting on the toilet watching this grown man in the bathtub, and like I would probably be in my mind as Aaron probably is reminding himself, like it's for this man's unborn child. Like this will probably be very, very special to this baby. <laughs> Something isn't right with him. I'm just doing this poor guy a favor. He literally has brain cancer. So 
Mm. But yeah. But yeah, that was me too. And I keep thinking like, that also kind of adds like a little bit of uh, an interesting dynamic. And I think they play into it a lot more in the second one. And Mark Duplass even, I don't even know if I'm saying his last name right. I just call him Duplass. I'm going to call him Dula Peep. Uh, Peep. But... <laughs> But what he was like describing like the premise of the movie as well. Like obviously Joseph comes off as like the psycho serial killer, but like they also wanted to add an aspect of like maybe trying to figure out well who is the creep here because the fact that after especially after Tubby time the fact that Aaron just willingly stays is a little bit concerning. And I would I mean imagine the gag of like a twist of Aaron being like the person who ended up killing Joseph. He's the, in the serial end. killer, right? That would have been so cool. And honestly, I was kind of hoping they would kind of push for that in the second one. I think that I, I thought that would have been so cool. And if they do a third movie, I think that would be so cool. But um, I was kind of hoping for that the entire time because it's a little, I, I can see maybe, I mean, because I mean, obviously, again, Joseph's the serial killer here. But like, right. there's at times where Aaron's doing things where I'm like, I don't know why you're reacting like that. I don't know why you're playing into these things. But like you said, and then I think about putting myself in that situation. Like, how many times do we really come across interacting with a serial killer on a day-to-day basis? We probably don't know. Honestly, our cashiers that we talk to for like a split second could be serial killers. But like literally think about literally act, like interacting with somebody who is an active serial killer. And like if they're active and they haven't been caught, then they're obviously good at this. You know what I'm saying? So if he's yeah. sitting here and putting me in this position where like he's saying weird things, but also seems endearing. And then I'm also kind of concerned for his well-being. And maybe I don't want to leave him by himself because he looks like he might hurt himself because he also tries to drown himself in this bathroom. Like, like there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot going on at one time. So that's what pisses me off when he's like, these people just want to die. I'm like, no, like you literally put them in a position where they really don't know what to do. They're concerned about you, but they're also You're kind of pushing terrified. people to new levels that they've probably never experienced before and don't know how to process the emotions that you're forcing them to have by putting them in these uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And then when he puts them in an uncomfortable position, like immediately he just comes back to, I'm, I have cancer and my son's, I'm never going to meet him. Like he always just comes back to the emotional tie mm-hmm. and it just kind of keeps rolling with it. And they, he uses that to like ground them. I feel like. It's like whenever he realizes that it's getting a little bit too much, I feel like he makes sure to mention something that's like also like don't forget. Yeah. And like <laughs> he's so creepy. But yeah, naked right away. Like straight mm-hmm. naked into the bathtub. And he does that again in the second movie. Like I feel like that's something that he does. Like anytime he meets any of his victims, I feel like he's naked right away. Is he hot? Is Joseph hot? Stop it. And we're not having this conversation. Is Mark Duplass hot? Like a serial killer, again, we're not going to focus on that aspect of it, but is he hot? Because I would literally suck this man dry. I don't know. I like, I have spent a good amount of time during these movies. So honestly, whenever he's talking, sometimes I just zone out as I would in person, honestly. <laughs> And so not be like, are you, do I want to suck your dick right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't tell. I will say the first one, it's kind of like 50-50, but the beard and the small little pony literally do it for me in the second one. Maybe it's the, <laughs> the full grungy. frontal dick shot, maybe, that we get that really just solidifies it for me. Not that it's like flapping around hard as a rock, but like, I'm like, mm, yeah, I'll suck you dry, sir. But um, I 
don't know what it is. I just think, I, I don't I think he's just really attractive. I like take my, I want to take myself out of the movie and all the creepiness that's going on. I'm like, I would just love to see these two just fucking ravage each other's holes and go to town and put on this wolf mask and howl into the night. Um, but yes, and then I bring myself to hey. reality. Yeah. <laughs> but they're both so cute, I feel like. I also think Aaron's really adorable. Oh, I'd fuck Aaron in a hot second. But like, I still, I can't tell if Mark Duplass, Duplassus, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I can't tell. I've watched this. He, I think he's an attractive man. I do think he's an attractive man. I think he's man. conventionally attractive. Yes, he's an attractive white man. But am I a... But am I attracted to him? You know what I mean? I can't tell. Girl, this there's, is some scary there's shit. In, there's some people <laughs> in my life that I've been thinking that for a very long time. So I probably will never decide if I actually want to fuck him. But I spend a good majority of this movie fucking zoning out and trying to figure uh, out. The fact that I want to fuck him kind of disturbs me. Honestly, it's a red flag in and of itself. Uh-huh. But yeah, but I, it's hard because like I'm sitting here because I'm sitting here and I'm like, do I want to fuck this man? And it sucks because I haven't seen him in anything else, and all I know of him is the serial killer character. Right. And I'm like, is there something wrong with me that I want to like just go to town with this man? But like, I'm like, no, it really is just like the physical aspect of it all like the everyday joe schmo they can meet in a bar and go home and fuck each other and then like the next morning like he randomly like cooks you breakfast and like he seems like a sweet guy joseph not so much mark Duplass seems like a nice guy and if he has so much natural radiance of like charisma while he's portraying a serial killer i feel like he's probably really fun in real life yeah <laughs> Also, it takes a lot of balls. To, it takes a lot of balls to improvise, which is why I think they're both just really hot because they improvised a lot of this movie. So the yeah. fact that it's just them two back and forth, like, again, just fucking, my God, Eiffel Tower me, please, both of you. Like, it's so hot to me to think that they went in. It's just hot. Like, they went in, they made this movie by themselves. It was just them two with the camera, improvising all these lines. I'm like, you guys are hot. And y'all made, like, probably one of my favorite horror movies ever. And it's just so hot. Like, I just want y'all to go to town on me. You know what? On second thought, maybe I'm not coming for New Year's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyways, Joseph gets naked. And then, like you said, tubby time is awkward as fuck. And then Mm -hmm. this is when we do see Peach Fuzz for the first time 13 minutes in. uh, Because Aaron's going to go grab like a jacket or something. And he sees Peach Fuzz. Which is so funny to me because apparently the movie was going to be called Peach Fuzz. But their concern was like calling it that. And then having people like wonder why it's called Peach Fuzz. And I'm like, I mean, like we meet or we see this mask 13 minutes in, like you could have just kept it as Peach Fuzz. But I do like the name Creep more, I think. I don't think I would have watched it if it was called Peach Fuzz. Yeah, I definitely think Creep has a lot more. I appeal. Yeah. Yeah, it feels open-ended. It feels like anything can happen. If it was Peach Fuzz, yeah, I probably wouldn't have clicked it back in the day when I watched it for the first time. I probably would have thought of like, a teenage coming of age movie if I saw the name Peach Fuzz. I just think of like the hair on an ass cheek when I hear Peach oh, Fuzz. Okay. <laughs> so okay. it just wasn't like you know, something I was drawn to. I was thinking hair on my face, but okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we do see the mask for the first time. So is this mask creepy to you? I think it's creepy when he like wears it in a dark corridor, but beyond that, it looks so silly to me. Yeah, no, I think it's just cre- uh, silly. But like, him wearing yeah like exactly what you said 
is like in and of itself, the mask is not scary, but just encountering somebody who is already creepy, like wearing this mask is what makes it creepy. A little unsettling. (laughs) Girl. The fact that it has a name. Yeah, the fact that he's named it is just like concerning. And again, red flags constantly. Red flags on the field. There's just a lot happening here that shouldn't be happening, Aaron. And you should have just taken your cute ass back to your little, little yellow car and just sped away. But I guess it doesn't matter because Joseph knows where he lives. It's also so scary, too. Like, do you feel like when he when these people reach out to them or when they reach out to Joseph the first time, like if he just like immediately has like some weird fucking IP address nonsense where he just like figure out where you live immediately? Because like how do you do all that? I don't think you've seen you like the series on Netflix. But that's that's what it feels like is like he is just very skilled and like finds these people's social media and but like at the same time. I wonder what their interaction is even like whenever they answer the ad. Cause in my head, and I don't think they show us, but I think they just call him, don't they? I think in, I think in this movie they kind of set that up because at the end he's on the phone with somebody. But also no, because Aaron at the beginning saying he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know if it's gonna be, you know, a man or a woman, um, um or they them. Like he doesn't know who they're gonna be. Uh, but at the end, he's on the phone with somebody. Yeah, so that, like, negates what I think, because if he emails them, like, unless I give him, like, Stormy Blank is, and I'm from this town, like, I don't know, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, how does he figure this out? Yeah, that's what confuses me. But maybe after he meets them, I mean, I'm assuming he probably didn't have his address, like, maybe once he met Aaron and got to know who he was. And, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of conversation that we didn't see kind of thing, and maybe yeah. got an idea of where he lived. So, I don't know. Again, like, if he's killed, who we come to find out is, or uh, what we come to find out is 39 people, then obviously he's very skilled in this serial killing game of yeah. Um, But yeah, very concerning. Uh but yeah, just Joseph takes Aaron out into the woods to like try to find like some type of water thing that like is supposed to be healing and whatnot. Uh, but it's really just a chance for him to like run around and scare Aaron and like test the waters, I guess, with him, see how he reacts to things. Um, because he's like popping out and scaring this poor man constantly. We even get a moment too where he kind of harkens back to the axe and he's like, When you saw that axe when you first pulled up, did you think for like a split second I was gonna kill you with it? Foreshadowing. And Aaron was like, Oh, kind of. And he's like, Oh. I love that. And in that moment, I would have pushed him down that fucking trail. I would have grabbed him by his fucking ugly ass track pants and threw him over the fucking ledge. Don't you dare talk about killing me with an axe, you fucking basic white bitch. I will fucking end you. Don't you fucking dare try to tell. Don't you dare try to act like you're going to kill me because I'm going to win, baby. Oh, (laughs) But again, Aaron's nicer than I am and was just, you know, parading through the woods with this man. They do find the heart rock, which is really cute. And now I know I want to know where this is because imagine like a cute photo moment there at that rock. I would be living. She's cute. And then the way that he like carves their name into like a rock. That's a little much for me. At that point, again. And a heart. (laughs) Aaron, what are you doing, sir? Like red flags constantly. But again, I mean, I don't know. I guess, again, it's just the captivating nature of this man, I suppose, that's keeping Aaron around. And again, I also think if there's the aspect, too, of, like, 
I don't know, like the sexual tension that Joseph, I feel like he forces onto people. Like, I think he forces this tension onto people and it just like, I mean, I really, what do you do with that? Like really, how do you react to any of that? Me aggressively, but I have anger <laughs> problems. So that's me. So anybody who's not me, like really, how do you react to that? Like, do you just sit in stunned silence? Cause I feel like that's what Aaron does. Most of this movie is just like, just like sits and hopes that he can get out of it. Yeah. I would sit there cringing but also like doing <laughs> like the spongebob blink where he just <laughs> <laughs> oh like mr Krabs when his eyes like suck into his head a little bit <laughs> that would yeah. be me just literally that sound effect where he go <laughs> where his eyes blink. <laughs> yeah, yeah i love it um but from this little moment we do go to this diner and this comes off to me as like probably the one of the most improvised moments of this film um, but we go to this diner, they're talking back and forth, Joseph is asking Aaron about like, if he's ever regretted anything or something along those lines. And we get this ridiculous story of Aaron talking about when he used to pee himself. And I mean, it was crazy. And again, the improvisation is so clear in this one, because he's talking about a device that he, his mom bought that was able to detect wetness. And I was like, what is this device? Does it really exist? This seems very silly. But we do get a crazy moment here where Joseph like shows Aaron pictures that he was taking of him when he was at his door. And he's like, I just wanted to get to know you before we met each other. And Aaron just like brushes it off. Again, I feel like he's just trying to be as, as much of like a blank canvas, I guess, as he can. Like he tries to probably give this man nothing to like, he doesn't want to elicit any reaction from him off of his own reactions. So I feel like maybe he's doing his best to just kind of get through the situation. But in that moment, in a public, if we're in a public diner where there's other people causing a scene, I'm screaming, I'm yelling. I'm like, this man is crazy. This man is insane. And I would just beat him over the head with the fucking syrup canister that they have at the table. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back to the house. Yeah. I I don't know. At this point, I think it's kind of just survival because he's led him into the woods to this, <laughs> this heart rock that is it's supposed to heal all of his, his uh, illnesses because his heart is pure, he says. And like, and then like, maybe he just really needs the fucking money and right, he's just maybe. like, you know what, maybe I can just chug along like this is painfully awkward and I don't know what to do. But that like a need for money coupled with like the constant beratement of my empathy button <laughs> would probably make me say, I don't know. But I feel like he's also like intrigued. True. I also don't think that any of us really in our day-to-day lives thinks we're going to encounter a serial killer. I really don't think any of us really have like the mental capacity to just be like oh yeah today's the day where i'm going to run into a serial killer like i don't think we really want to put ourselves in that position but i think like in a situation like this i feel like it's probably <laughs> i don't know i don't want to like for myself i feel like it's best practice because anytime i do put myself in the situation if i'm running to somebody's house to like you know jiggle their balls with my fingers and you know <laughs> whatnot in my mind i immediately tell myself i was like this person could be a serial killer. And I go into these positions looking for these things. So like if I went into this position to try to make a thousand dollars and I see this man acting strange immediately, my head is always in the spot of saying, 
again, like we've talked about this, I'm looking for an escape route. I'm looking for things to how to get out. I have weapons on me. I will have a <laughs> knife with me in this position. I oh, there's a knife shoved up my ass right now. Literally up my ass. And like I'm like, <laughs> I'm in the spot where like I am immediately and just like, or I'm immediately just thinking that this is a serial killer. Yeah, when but I, normal people don't think like us. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. But like, again, I feel like that's also Aaron's thing. And Sarah in the second movie really has that issue. I feel like where the entire time she just genuinely does not believe this is a serial killer. And I think Aaron also in this moment is like, this guy's weird as fuck. And he wants to leave, but he also probably really doesn't think he is a serial killer. At least not until we get back to the house later that night and things get really weird that he really starts to kind of freak out, I think. Um, But I feel like that's the issue with them. And I'm, again, the opposite. When I first met my boyfriend, the first like three times I went like and did anything with him, I would tell everybody, I was like, I think he's a serial killer. Killer. like oh i remember those conversations yeah because like again he was really friendly and like i've never met anybody who was so friendly like ever and i was like this is just off-putting to me this is a little creepy and i had already seen this movie by the time i met him so maybe that played a big part in it but he was just like so nice and like so friendly and i was like i don't trust you i really don't trust you so like literally the first couple of times we hung out i was like ah. Just so you know, just in case we're going here, because I don't trust this man. He's too nice. So again, if I were to meet somebody who was like as ridiculously nice as Joseph is, I, again, serial killer would be the first thing that pops up in my head. But that's just me. Yeah. Between my like line of work and being a horror fan, um, I expect that everybody is a terrible person. (laughs) Everybody's a suspect. (laughs) Randy said it best. Like literally, and that's I think that's not to get off on screen, <laughs> but like I really think that's why I connect with Randy is because he knows he knows the plan, man. He knows what you're not supposed to do. Everybody's a suspect. I think the only person that I trust is you and like maybe my child, but not my child after like no <laughs> That little gremlin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I watched Gremlins not too long ago, actually. I love that movie. It's a Christmas movie, girl. Yeah, I love it. I love Gremlins. Um, but yeah, honestly, and I don't even trust myself. You know what I'm saying? So everybody's I mean... a suspect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so even after this diner scene, again, if somebody showed me pictures that they took of myself, honestly, the first thing I probably would be like is, why are you taking me from that angle? Like, why are you taking pictures of me from that angle? I look awful. That would be my first thought. Right. You're, I'd be like, delete those right now. That first thought, delete them. I never want to see them again. If I ever see them again, you are not getting your dick sucked. Like that was, that would be my first thought. Uh, <laughs> your child does not get this tape. I will be the one to kill you if you don't delete them. Oh my God. You don't have to worry about cancer. I'm taking you <laughs> Cancer isn't your fucking problem now, baby. It's me. Delete those fucking <laughs> pictures. Okay. That's literally the twist. <laughs> um. But that would be my first thought for sure. I'd be like, ew, I look awful. And then my second thought would be like, oh, serial killer. Why are you I'm taking gonna, pictures? Yeah, I'm not going to follow this man. But Aaron does. He goes back to the house. Um, he does try to leave, but Joseph somehow convinces him to come into the house and have a drink and yata, yata, yata. So they do drink and we get like a very unsettling story where Joseph is Trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning here. But Joseph is discussing, I guess, his wife, Angela, who he talked about earlier. Um, I guess one day he had noticed that she on their computer had been looking up animal pornography is what he said. And when he confronted her about it, she was like very 
like just denying of everything. And so he one night snuck out of their house and bought this wolf mask at a 99 cent store, which he did not buy this wolf mask at a 99 cent store. There is not a 99 cent store in existence, I think, uh, that would sell a mask like this. I just don't see it. Like, right. I don't. You would probably get like a cheap ass skeleton thing that's like made that's paper thin with a string that was probably just fucking. I don't even holding on for a prayer. Holding on for to your life. Like at any second, it could snap. That's what you get at the 99 cent store. You're not getting this fucking big ass mask. But that's what he tells us. Um, and he comes back into the house and breaks into it and then ties his wife up and then pretty much rapes her, he says, while he's wearing this mask. Cause I guess he was trying to that's feed what into she her fantasy. Yeah. So it's a very alarming story. Uh, the first time I heard this, I was like, this is too this is wild. I gotta get mm-hmm. out of here. And I think Aaron also has that same reaction because then, like, immediately he's like, I got to get out of here. He's He's like, where are my keys? (laughs) Where are my keys? And then Joseph, again, like, convinces him to just, like, take a chill pill, relax. He's been drinking already. There's no point in driving out. Um, So Aaron agrees to stay, but he agrees to stay because he's going to plan to just escape anyways. He finds a Benadryl as we come to figure out, and he drugs Joseph and knocks him out so he can try to find the keys. I do want to say here, though, do we feel like Joseph was, like, expecting this? Because when he was, like, taking that drink from Aaron, he's like, oh, sure is cool. And, like, I just like he knew Aaron would be doing something like this. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I really do think that he expected it. But at the same time, why would you drink it if you did, though? Like, is it a game? I feel like it's a little bit of, like, cat and mouse. Right. What pisses me off, which pisses me off that he has, like, so much confidence that he will. If he did know that Aaron was maybe trying to, like, drug him. Like, the fact that he has the confidence to, again, drink it and even potentially be knocked out for a bit of time because he has, like, no worry that his plan won't come to fruition pisses me off. And it makes me want to punch him in the face. Or he's just pretending um, that he's passed out. that's what i also kind of got like a vibe of is like he didn't really like get knocked out honestly does benadryl really do you like that i mean honestly Uh, i don't know how much i don't know i don't know how much he gave him yeah um i mean they have non-drowsy so like obviously they make drowsy benadryl but like i don't think it like is literally a date rape drug that we're out here like mixing cocktails with it i don't i don't know i feel like i mean i guess i feel like with benadryl i mean i've heard people get knocked out pretty easily with it or they can okay. get knocked out with it so if you're mixing it with the alcohol perhaps it really does have like a super you know super high uh a super active effect i guess it can take on mm-hmm. you but i don't know fucking know um but he does it anyways and then while he's trying to find his keys on his sleeping body he gets a phone call joseph does so aaron takes the phone and he goes into the bathroom and it's angela who we come to find out is his sister joseph's sister not his wife and she explains you know oh well my brother's not well get out of the house as soon as you can and then the phone pretty much just like disconnects at that point and then joseph is awake at this time aaron confronts him about this and then joseph runs downstairs to put on his fucking creepy ass peach fuzz mask and stands in the hallway (laughs) blocking the door so aaron can't escape you're not gonna let me leave are you and he just shakes his head and i'm all oh no so terrifying honestly the scene the first time i watched it i was shitting bricks like it is so (laughs) unsettling isn't it yeah i think the more i watch it like we addressed earlier i think it gets more silly yeah because um, I definitely laughed at that part this time. Um, but yeah, if I was in that situation, I would probably shit bricks. <laughs> so scary. But they get into a tussle and Aaron makes it out somehow. Um, because Joseph, I guess, ran away. 
But by the time we meet up with him again, it's like an undisclosed amount of time later. But Joseph knows where he lives. He sent him a tape of him burying a hole. So Aaron's really, really <laughs> unsettled. <laughs> yeah. So he's really unsettled. And then pretty much the movie just kind of starts to wrap itself up from here. Um, Aaron is uh, getting stuff from Joseph constantly. He receives uh, a knife, a stuffed wolf, a locket with their picture in it, a heart locket, no less. And it's really creepy. And Joseph, again, also explains like how when he's scared Aaron earlier like he saw murder in his eyes and I feel and I'm not a fucking therapist I'm not a psychologist but like Aaron or Joseph has like such an unnatural way of projecting onto these people like he for some reason I think like you said just so desperate to like feel some type of connection that he makes it a point in his own mind i feel like to convince himself that these people are also possible killers you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like he is so desperate to like not think like not feel alone but also like not give a fuck if he is alone but like when he's telling uh aaron like oh yeah i saw murder in your eyes it feels good you know you're my little wolf puppy or whatever the fuck like it seems like a grooming situation here like he's even trying to potentially groom somebody to be a serial killer i don't know if he's pushing these people to the point where eventually somebody does kill him because it seems like he also enjoys the thrill of being in a position that isn't only dangerous for his victims but also for himself because it's still just these two people and at any point these people could kill him. I mean, he gives them the opportunity, at least we see with Sarah in the next movie, where he could potentially die. And I think he is so, like, high-end off of that that, like, he doesn't care if he dies in these situations. But, uh, yeah, it's just, like, an unhealthy amount of projection that he puts onto these people because, like, I think he's so desperate to make them try to kill him, even possibly. He's just constantly, like, making reference that anybody could be a killer and I saw murder in your eyes, but I don't know. I think he just gets off on pushing people's limits. I want to punch him. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to punch the fuck out of him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's creepy. He's here. Joseph does try to call, or uh, Aaron does try to call the police. And of course they don't do anything. Um, and then we do get a creepy scene, I guess, when I were, Aaron's talking to the camera and there's like a loud bang and he gets up and looks around his house. And Joseph is just standing at his front door and like Scooby-Doo his, his way out of it by just dipping down low. It is so ridiculous to me. Right. I think that I see people at my door constantly. So oh, like, same. I know for a fact I would see him. Same. But especially if I'm like receiving weird packages and like if I'm experiencing weird shit in my life, I'm going to be on hyper alert. Right. But he is just blissfully, Aaron's just blissfully unaware. Yeah. Which I guess comes into the play of Joseph saying, I guess if people want to die, because I would go into debt to stay in the hotel. Top floor, in the corner of the hall. I would like set up a camera on the outside so I can see the hall at all times. And there's one set entrance. up a ring camera in this hotel. Yeah, in an, yeah, they make like ring for the peephole. So I would, I, I just, I would do whatever I have to do. Um, right. Because no, ma'am, I'm not just gonna sit in my house with fucking huge ass open windows and a almost entirely glass door and just wait for this crazy person who knows my address without me telling them to come and find me. Like I'm just not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he doesn't see him anyways. But we do get another tape after this uh, where Joseph is like, I see that you threw away my locket and that pissed me off. And so they decide to meet up at this fucking open space is what Joseph likes to explain it as. I don't know why Aaron did and this. this is, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say, this is where I can see Joseph's point that like some people just want to die because he's... At this point, Aaron has escaped. Like, yes, he's still experiencing these terrible things and he's still getting 
like uh, stalked essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he has escaped Joseph's grasp physically in his home, in, in Joseph's home. Um, and you're willingly putting yourself in a situation with him. Like, yes, I understand it's supposed to be open, but in my brain, that's where I connect with Joseph's, like you're asking for it at this point, because you agree to meet me again after you've already escaped me. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I don't know. And again, it comes down to like, I guess the manipulation tactic, because honestly, and it is something that you do see in relationships. And I think that's why it's really cool with this movie is it's so focused on just their relationship um, as two characters and two people. Uh, because sometimes in relationships and in dynamics with people, like sometimes you don't realize you're being manipulated or yeah. gaslit or groomed. And these things are serious issues that people face on a day-to-day basis. So again, if you're in a position where like the manipulation is like a, a 100 because this man is a serial killer, like, again, I don't know, like, the mental gymnastics that Aaron's probably trying to go through in his head to even try to justify going, but he does do it. And again, like, in this moment, I also would be like, no, girl, like, I'm not, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to meet with you ever again. We could be in front of the White House with the fucking president security standing watch, and I still would just be uncomfortable meeting with you or having to see you in person ever again. But that's me. And I don't know if Aaron is, again, just like maybe highly concerned for this man. I don't know if he really does feel bad for him or generally has like some type of feelings for him at this present time. I don't know, girl, but he goes and it's like the most ridiculous, but yet unsettling death scene. The way that just Joseph creeps up behind, um, the ax hits the floor at one point. So I don't know how Aaron just didn't hear an ax hit the ground behind him, but he doesn't turn around. And again, this is where Joseph kind of comes into play or kind of states again. I think in the next movie, he mentions how, like, you know, he just wanted to die because, like, he never looked around. Like, he never bothered, like, to be on high alert. He just sat here waiting for me to come. Um, But again, I think there's, again, maybe some type of trust that he had for Joseph here. But I don't know. It's creepy. Joseph kills him anyways. And that's it for little old Aaron. I, the first time that I watched that, I was genuinely floored. I don't remember. I'll have to go back and think, like, see if I was actually speechless. But I remember being floored and being like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. And, like, it's not like you see any blood splatter or, like, anything gory. But, like, you just see it and he slumps over, like, falls to the ground and I don't know like it just caught me so off guard like I expected him to like turn around and catch him and there'd be a tussle or something but no literally just a thump doesn't care just dies so fast and that's it poor guy (laughs) um but yeah so like it's very interesting and like we immediately kind of just jump into the next movie um so just quick rundown on that really fast we'll probably go through this one pretty quick um because a lot happens in this one as well Um, But it's still kind of just like the same topic of conversation because it really is just kind of analyzing Joseph as a character. So for the next movie, we'll probably just kind of really kind of discuss Sarah and I guess kind of how we feel about her as a character and just some of the moments that kind of appeal to us here. Because I think a lot of the conversation about these movies revolves around Joseph anyways, and we've done a lot of that. Um, But let's go ahead and just kind of integrate two. Hey everybody, so if you're enjoying the podcast so far, definitely look into giving us a rating. It would be really, really beneficial. We're open to ideas and feedback. It really goes a long way. So go ahead and look into giving us a rating. Again, we're on Apple, 
Spotify, Podbean, and many more places. But for now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. So Creep 2 was released on October 24th, 2017. Again, no specific budget information, but it does have a runtime of one hour and 18 minutes. Directed again by Patrick Bryce. It does start... um, it does star Mark Duplass as Joseph once again. Desiree Akaven is Sarah. Karen Sony is Dave. And we do see Aaron again here. So Patrick Weiss does pop up again a little bit, but not too much there. So we have three individuals that we really focus on in this movie. Uh, so Creep 2. Uh, a video artist by the name of Sarah is seeking a story when she comes across a man claiming to be a serial killer. After agreeing to spend the day with him, she quickly realizes that she may have made a great mistake. So Creep Two. So overall, how do you feel about the second movie? Um, I enjoy this one more than I do the first one. Interesting. Okay. I do agree, I think. I do like the second one a lot. I think it slightly edges out the first one, just because I really, really, really enjoy Sarah, to be honest. I think she's insane at times. Um, but her delusion is something that I respect. Um and I think think she genuinely kind of throws Aaron in this movie. Joseph takes on the moniker of Aaron. Um, but I think she genuinely throws him off his game a little bit here in this movie, um, even if it is through her sheer delusion. And I, I, I find it enjoyable. It's kind of fun to see the creep, I guess you can call him, kind of have to like battle somebody who, as like Aaron, the first movie, not really giving him a lot. And she's like fully giving him nothing. So I just like the dynamic between them a lot in this movie. Honestly, to me, it feels like an inversion of the first film because she's the one that wants something from him this time. She wants the reactions. She wants the answers. She wants all of this visceral um, like footage from this man because this is her bread and butter. This is her last shot at her fame as a YouTuber. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and so it, it, I think it's an interesting take to kind of just flip it around on him. And you can tell that he doesn't know how to take her. He's, I don't want to say frustrated, but he's not used to, you can tell that he's not used to people doing this to him. And it's interesting to see him in like the hot seat more or less um, and see the way that he reacts especially as like a person that I don't think personally has a grasp of human emotion. Um, so. So it's nice to see him, like, like you said, I mean, put in a position of facing off of somebody who also maybe, again, is just looking for some reactions here, um, which is enjoyable because it, it does, again, like I said, in the first movie, I, the aspect of what they were trying to do with like the two-hander experience of just two people being on screen is like maybe kind of leaving it up for interpretation as to, you know, I mean, who's a little weird here? But I mean, in that movie, I, I mean, Joseph comes off as being the evil person. And in this film, I feel like that, you know, that's kind of up in the air <laughs> yeah like because quite honestly the entire time the first time watching this especially I was like I really felt like Sarah was going to kill him <laughs> like she at times feels a little bit creepy and like but at the same time she does like have her moments of like being genuinely unnerved by him and I do think a lot of her creepiness and her delusion does come from I mean she says it point blank 
she doesn't think he's a serial killer. So in the entire time, it just also feels unsettling because even if he was just like an um, individual with some mental health issues and was just kind of going through like really tough time, she's still like kind of putting him again in a position of having to answer questions and like getting his visceral reactions. And like, she comes and like massages him and touches him. And like, it's also kind of weird that she's doing this to somebody that she doesn't know and that she's being so intimate with somebody just to get something out of them. It also kind of puts like a very intense lens on who she is as a person. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see the clout chaser versus the serial killer. Cause like girl, the energies are kind of synonymous with one another at this point. So it's very interesting to see that development here. And it's, I don't know, it cracks me up that like, um, oh, I mean, he's referred to as Aaron in this movie. I'm so used to calling him Joseph. <laughs> yeah. So it's so interesting that the creep genuinely, <laughs> it feels wrong calling him that. It is he weird. genuinely says, I'm a serial killer and I might kill you tonight. Or I, I he promises that he'll let her live for the next 24 hours if she records the documentary and she's like okay like just does not like just fucking blows him off and in my head like if somebody genuinely or honestly I wouldn't even need for their tone to be genuine if somebody came to me and was like I'm a serial killer and you have 24 hours guaranteed to live um I'm not in this situation fuck my YouTube fuck my podcast fuck any like situation that put me in this situation like fuck it because I'm not, <laughs> I don't care if you're like laughing while you tell me I don't care if like I genuinely have this feeling that you're joking like I'm still leaving the situation yeah I'm leaving and you know movies again like the clout chasing nonsense that they put these um or like the negative light that they put on these people who are like content creators and these horror movies are so funny um because like even the podcasters in Halloween 2018 are just like so hungry oh my God. and it's just like even her she comes off as being like very hungry for success in a way and yeah if if I sat down, because I mean, when we are introduced to her, you know, we see that she has this show called Encounters, where she does answer ads. Like she goes on Craigslist and finds strange ads and meets with these people because she wants to be able to dissect them and, you know, understand who these people are and how their brains work. Because this is something that, I mean, she's initially going to school for this, isn't she? Like some type of like psychology or something along those lines. Whatever it may be, though, she's interested in studying the human psyche pretty much. So she's deliberately putting herself in these situations for this show and we see that she's very disgruntled because she's only getting seven views on her videos and I feel so bad for her because she's obviously putting so much effort in and like she's really defeated by it and then she finds this ad um very discreet ad a thousand dollars a day for a videographer again as he does and so she answers it and they have a texting exchange which is weird because like we were talking about the first one like I guess there was an email exchange with Joseph and Aaron. And then we also hear the creep talking to somebody on the phone at the end of that movie, but then he's texting Sarah. So like, I guess just however these people come to him, they come to him. Uh, but she's texting him and immediately he's like, you know, first thing he asks is, oh, do you scare easily? And I would have been like, yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> So what do you say to that? But she's like, no. And then she does hesitate, but then she tells him his real, or her real name. Um, and then she goes and meets him. And yeah, the first thing she sees is him blending a green smoothie. Again, that's Austin, my partner. Like full-blown, just fucking blowing Literally. up a blender at 8 a.m. Fucking just in the kitchen. Um, Hi, would you like a green smoothie? But full-blown, that's what's going on here. Um, 
And yeah, and like the first thing he says to her is, yeah, I'm a serial killer. And I just want you to help me document like my journey as a serial killer and so on and so forth. And she's like, bet, mm-hmm, sure. Say less. Say less. And then so he, of course, then decides to get naked because why not? That's what he does. He comes in in a town and he's like, you know, between the sexes, there's like a barrier and that barrier is like, what do you, like everybody's just thinking about, or, you know, we're just thinking about what we see each other as, or how do we see, I can't fucking speak. There's a division between the genders and they just want to see each other naked, point blank is what he was trying to say here. And so he drops his towel and we get a little nutsack, a little shaft action, a little dick action. And it's very funny. Um, But in that moment, again, Sarah pays this man nooch. She's like, okay. And then she gets up and gets naked herself. And I kind of love it. Again, again like, she said, say less. <laughs> I, again, I love it. I love that her delusion is allowing her just to kind of instinct. Match like, energies. Yeah, to match energy and like poke the bear when the, bo- when the bear is trying to poke her. And it's just, it's really fun dynamic. Uh, but after that moment, like she runs into the bathroom and she's like freaking out. She's like, this is what you've been waiting for. This is what you've needed. This is what you fucking, her adrenaline is spiked. The serotonin is up in her brain but also fear because she's also like this man is also very you know he could snap at any minute even though i'm 99.9 sure he's not a serial killer um so yeah so she decides to go along with it and film him throughout the day pretty much and he like explains his thought process he discusses his serial killings he shows her aaron getting his brains blown out in the first movie by his axe and in that moment too i have I mean, if I don't believe he's a serial killer, if I see this snuff film pretty much, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, why Why would this man also put the effort into, like, he also seems like he doesn't have friends. So how am I supposed to believe that this person's his friend that's helping him do this? Like, I don't know. It just would have been, again, red flags all day. Right. But, like, that's genuinely her bread and butter. That's her show is showing these red flags on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But I mean, he flat out says he's a serial killer. And like yeah. you said, like he's like, he tells her, you know, oh yeah, I won't kill you for the next 24 hours. You just help me film all these things. And I just, I, it would have been, it would have been donezo for me. But he takes her out into the woods again. He loves a hike. That's why his body's just so lean, I guess. Cause he's hiking, girl. He's out in these woods fucking zen and out. God knows how many times a day. Um, but they're going because he wants to find a bit of water that he wanted to do a shot in for his little documentary and like it's empty and so he's just sitting there pretending that the water is around him what a loser (laughs) and he's like will you fix my ponytail (laughs) does it look good and she literally redoes it so fucking hilarious and then he gets mad at the birds He's like, if you don't shut the fuck up, he's like throwing rocks at these birds. I'm like, sir, you're in nature right now. Like, <laughs> literally, gets so angry with the fucking birds, and I'm just like, girl, chill out. He needs some weed in his life. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying that weed is just going to solve the world's problems with serial killers, but he just needs to smoke a little bit because he's a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> If I managed to stay until this point, um, like, what would be your breaking point if it wasn't the, hey, hi, nice to meet you, I'm a serial killer? Like, where would, where would you draw the line in this movie? Him driving the car with his fucking mask on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Like, no, man. And she even shows concern. And at that point, he's even like a little frustrated with her because he also tries to jump scare her twice and she gives him nothing. And right. so when he's driving with his mask on, she's like, can you even see in that? And he's like, oh, now you're scared. And now to be like, yes, girl, I'm fucking scared. I don't want to die in a vehicle accident with a psychopath in a mask. <laughs> right. But that would have been my breaking point. The dick immediately within 10 minutes meeting him, been there, done that. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> Um, you said 10 minutes is a little long, honestly. Honestly, yeah. Usually they answer the door naked. So <laughs> mm, 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 that doesn't really bother me. But the driving with a fucking huge ass, cheap ass mask, and I'm calling it cheap, but it's not 99 cent cheap. It's definitely like $20 cheap. Uh, but if you're driving that mask or you're driving me with that mask, I'm no, girl, we're not doing this. I mean, also maybe it's saying I'm a serial killer probably would have done it for me. Um, right. But maybe we're role-playing again at this point. If I'm seeing the dick, like maybe in my head, I'm like, yeah, maybe we're role-playing. Yeah, daddy, bring a knife to my throat. Um, but yeah, at that point, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get into this vehicle with you and you're wearing this So mask. what if you went to first date with Austin and he sat down with you? And I imagine you're smoking a bowl and he just turns to you and he's like, I'm a serial killer. Would you leave? Yes. Like if anybody tells me, even as a joke, I just can't. Like I can't. <laughs> That's what I was saying earlier. Like if you, if we're really going to have like a life together or we're going to be best friends for the rest of the existence, but the first thing that you want to tell me is like you're a serial killer and you think it's hee hee ha ha. And I definitely, I, I'm a dark comedy kind of girl. I get it. It's not funny to me. It gets, it, <laughs> it's funny. like it just, it definitely sets the, the, the wrong tone and it just isn't going to work for me. It just isn't. Um, but again, I'm glad you have your wits about you. <laughs> yeah, but again, if the dick's in my face, ooh, who knows? I might just go along with anything. Okay, so what if you're sucking his dick and then he says it? Oh, I don't know. Actually, if, if <laughs> I'm literally okay, choking on the dick, the cum is shooting down my throat, and he's, like, and he's like, "I'm a serial killer." In that moment. Like you're serial killing my tonsils right now. <laughs> right. First thought is like, first thought in my head is like, he's saying that because I'm suffocating on this dick and I can't breathe right now. And I'm like, ooh, ha. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, <laughs> you know, once everything processes and, you know, the shaft flops out of my mouth. And then I would Not be like, flop. first, where's the towel? Give me the towel. Where's the shower? I need to wash myself all. But then I'd be like, oh, wait, he said he's a serial killer in that moment. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. I forgot about that. And so then I'd be like, Mm, so that thing you said when I couldn't breathe on your dick, was that because I couldn't breathe on your dick or is that because you literally want to kill me? And if he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a serial killer. We're going to have a problem. <laughs> we're gonna have, yeah, my overnight bag is on my shoulder. Your next I, YouTube video is <laughs> I sucked a serial killer's dick. Um, I mean, I don't know. What would be your stopping point for this whole entire situation? Aside from the I'm a serial killer. Take out the I'm a serial killer because honestly, yeah, I probably would leave in that moment. But like, seriously, what would you, what would be the moment that you're like, hmm, I should go? Honestly, probably the whole bird thing. So not the driving with the mask. That's funny (laughs) to you. Yeah, I feel like it would probably be like, this isn't hitting, but like he's trying to be funny type of situation. (laughs) I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um. And then, like, probably him. Honestly, the whole, like, outside part. This sounds so bad. <laughs> Anybody who's planning on taking me on a date, please never take me on a hike. Uh, 
but like the way he sits in the water and then asks for his ponytail to be redone and but then he starts yelling at the birds for no reason like that's when in my head i would have made the decision that i'm leaving (laughs) but i'm gonna make him drive me back you know what i mean yeah for sure yeah, a little weird. A little weird. A little weird. The getting and then, like, efforts. he could probably convince me to stay. And then, like, then the hot tub thing. Girl, that hot tub moment was a little much. Yeah. Because he gets pissed off with these birds, and they go back, and he, like, sits in the hot tub to, like, decompress. And he's, yeah, he's sulking. He literally tells her to go away. And she's like, no, I'm going to get in with you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? In her clothes, also. Fully clothed, she gets into this hot tub. He gets behind him and starts rubbing his back. And he's moving. And then they talk about how he's never had a kiss before. And then eventually she, like, uh, takes it upon herself to kiss him. Um, we do get, like, a story that I guess is pretty much the essence of the creep and kind of where he comes from. Where he was almost killed by somebody. And oh, like yeah, in that, yeah. And in that moment point. of almost being murdered, like, he has so much ecstasy, it sounds like, from that whole entire situation... Uh, took it upon himself to kill this man who was trying to kill him. And like he even says, like, at them, after he killed him, like, he laid with him and, like, he took a part of him with him. He literally tells us his origin story. <laughs> his origin story, like, we definitely hear it. Uh, but, like, he obviously has a fascination or a kink with choking because when know. she was massaging him, she was, like, grabbing his neck a little bit and he was moaning. And I was yeah. like, and he looks so hot in his hot tub. Like, you can't deny how, like, just... <laughs> Trying. I'm just, and he was moaning when she was choking him. I was like, same. So I just was, I was loving his energy. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, I guess it's good that both of us have like similar timelines for when we're checking out. So we probably won't end up on somebody's murder list. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think about like the entire hot tub scene. I remember the first, yeah, I remember watching it the first time and then it was, a whole other thing is to like to watch it live with other people um because i feel like that like ups the awkward factor and so i just was very uncomfortable and even re-watching it now like i was by myself i was like i don't i don't like this <laughs> it is a really hard watch it really is I feel like it was a third wheel with like a couple, like the couple's kind of drunk, you know what I mean? Fighting. So they're they like had getting... a huge fight earlier in the night. Yeah. And now they're getting touchy feely. <laughs> now they're getting touchy feely and like they're probably going to fuck. And I'm like, I'm going to get out of this hot tub. That's what this feels like. You're sitting in the hot tub with your Smirnoff ice and you're like, I got to go. <laughs> Uh, but this gives them kind of like some type of resurge of energy here because then they start running around and like scaring each other. Yeah, they literally start playing like hide and go seek and i'm like what is happening also who's filming this both of them like he's like i don't know it's a mess it's a whole disaster all of it uh and then it gets to the point then after they do all this where they are like sitting down and talking uh where joseph is like pretty much explained that like he again i guess was kind of like debating back and forth if he was going to kill her or not um but he's found out this is his like th- his 39th murder 40th. and this one's supposed oh yeah this is going to be his 40th and like he wants it to be special in a way and that's what he yeah because he explains to her like he's like in killing so many people like he 
as I guess like losing his passion for it is what he explains he's right getting at the beginning. Bored. He's getting bored with it, is what he's telling her. So he in his head is telling himself, Oh, well, to make it exciting, instead of just making another boring video of me killing somebody, maybe you can kill me. And so like he sets it up to where she is it going to ax him? I guess he puts on his peach fuss mask and sits on the table and like expects her to cut his her head how off. To do it. <laughs> yes, girl. And she doesn't do that. So then he tries to just hang himself in front of her. And at this point, it took up until this point, but then if somebody trying to hang themselves in front of you doesn't signal a time to go, I don't know what else does. But at this point, she's pissed off and she's ready to go. If you, if you ask me, if you put on a mask and tell me to ax you, um, I'm taking the axe with me so nobody gets hurt, but I'm leaving. Um, I would just do it. Adrian. <laughs> I mean, I guess at this point, again, she really doesn't believe he's a serial killer. We have the outside knowledge of knowing he's a serial killer. Yeah. So I, in this moment, I was like, just fucking do it. But like, I, if I, I probably wouldn't actually try to kill somebody, especially if I feel like maybe he's just struggling. <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have made it to this point in the movie. So it's hard to put myself in that situation. Um, but yeah, the whole, I mean, I guess we should have put a trigger warning, but the whole, um, hanging thing, he's just like, so like, essentially I'll kill myself. And if you don't save me, then you pretty much killed me and I'll leave it up to that. And literally just jumps off a rafter, (laughs) jumps off the fucking balcony and she jumps into action and takes him down. And then she's mad that he put her in that situation. A mess, girl. And he, again, the manipulation tactics are there because even before this, um, like he like wholeheartedly asked her, like, do you think I'm a serial killer? And she goes, no. Because like being honest with each other is the whole aspect of it. Because he says he never lies. And so I don't know. Because then after this, after he scares her in this moment, like he, because she's pissed off and she's ready to go. And that's when he comes in with the, I've never kissed a girl. And he goes like, I'm not a murderer. You know, I'm really lonely. And so she feels bad for him and kisses him and like, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. But also there's a thing with him where I really do think Joseph is, uh, he has some type of queer tendencies. Because I feel like, and we see at the beginning of the movie as well, I feel like he's just really into guys. And like, it definitely feels like a lot of the victims that he have um, that he does have our men. It sounds like he does say that he's killed 39 men and women at one point, but he also expresses to Sarah that there's like an uneasiness when he kind of like when he approaches women. And that, at least that's what it feels like. I don't know if it's just him trying to convince her. Um, but it definitely just feels like, and maybe he just does this with everybody. I mean, we saw him with, you know, uh, a man, the first movie, and it just felt like really homoerotic and sexual. And like there was a lot of sexual tension that he was outputting. Uh, but at the beginning of the movie, uh, this movie, like there's a, a man um who's been receiving these creepy messages and these creepy videos but he already knows the creep the creep has been in his life and it sounds like they fucked each other constantly because <laughs> he talks about how like they started out hot and heavy and this and that and then like he reveals himself to be that poor man's stalker and then just cuts his throat right then and there um so i don't know again there's definitely some um uh, uh come some queer tendencies with this serial killer but again i mean i guess when you have like no emotion and no empathy for anybody's like actual emotions, uh, it seems like he, again, he just is out to kill anything and anybody that he can. And he'll use their emotions to manipulate him as much as he can, as he does here by forcing her. Oh, I guess he doesn't force her to do it, but persuades her and gaslights her into kissing him. Um, so it's really unsettling. And then after this, he takes her out to the woods where he's already buried a hole and he stabs himself multiple times in front of her. <laughs> 
and still has the energy to chase her through the woods and fight her off and stab her. But then she has the energy to crawl out of this hole and beat him with the shovel. So, like, I don't understand how they're both alive by the end of this movie, but it's a lot to take in. I mean, he didn't stab himself in the stomach, which isn't, like, inherently a quick way to die. And so I think that's why he uh, is, like, able to survive and chase her for a minute. I'm not quite sure where he stabs her. I don't know if we get to see that moment. I think it happens in the hole, right? And they, But um, it kind of felt like a flashback to the first movie when she smacks him in the back of the head with the it shovel. so hilarious. Because um, it, it almost feels like that's the culmination of, like, the table's turning. Is mm-hmm. he's been, <laughs> he did it to Aaron and took on Aaron's like name his moniker and then he goes out the same way i mean he doesn't go out but but he dies like in a way where also he was like oblivious to what was the obvious what was happening like the whole he never turned around thing like he literally experienced the same thing he didn't hear sarah crawling out of this hole and picking up a shovel yeah a mess but honestly Chef's Kiss Cinema, I love that. I love that callback, and I love that that's how he seemingly is defeated here. But as we come to see, he's still stalking Sarah. Um, and the scene where, like, she notices him in the subway or whatever they are sitting in, and this mass transit, and, she, like, she sees him, and just her face and the way she reacts to it is so good. Honestly, Desiree um, Arcaven is so fantastic as Sarah. Because um, she does have a lot of emotions that she displays. Like there's times where you can tell she's like a little taken aback by everything, but again, delusionally continues forward because she wants this content so desperately. Um, but yeah, that's how it ends. And I mean, it's kind of left on a cliffhanger. Uh, they were planning a third movie. The last thing that we really kind of heard on this third movie was literally right before the pandemic happened where they were discussing, oh yeah, they were trying to come up with ideas. Patrick and Mark uh, were discussing this, the creators. And they were like, oh yeah, you know, we're tossing ideas. We want it to be like really imaginative. And, you know, we want to each one, you know, we're just, we're spitballing ideas here. And then literally the pandemic happened. It was literally March of 2020 that we last heard this. Um, so I don't know where they are with the third movie. I know Mark Duplass was even kind of um, tossing around the idea of doing a prequel and kind of getting like, um, I guess kind of seeing some of the origins or some of the original kills of the creep, uh, which I think would be great. And honestly, there's so much that you can do here. And the creep character, although unsettling, is really entertaining to watch. Like the whole, both films are so entertaining because you're so uneasy the entire time. You don't know which direction they can go in. And that excitement is something that's like really invigorating. And I love both these movies so much. Me too. I think like the perfect like third movie would be literally um, a videographer looking for like cast members to film in (laughs) and like their short film or something like that. And he's a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) What if it was like a videographer looking for cast members and Joseph ends up being one of them and it's like a slasher movie and they all just get murdered one by one. Always bringing it back to the slasher. (laughs) But yeah, I desperately want a third movie. Whether it's a prequel or a sequel, I don't care. Um, I would definitely love to see uh, Desiree Ackhaven come back as Sarah, even potentially, because I think she's great. And again, the fact that she was so blindly chasing this content that she was willing to overlook the clear aspect of a serial killer being in front of her um, 
was interesting. And I would definitely like to kind of see how she kind of goes about handling him again if he does pop up because he's still stalking her. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't be off-put by seeing even a continuation of her story. But, I mean, whatever they do, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. I just, it's so wild that we, we, I say we, like I created the movie, but they gave her like a platter of red flags and she's like, baby, my favorite color is red and just takes them all in and does not fucking care. Doesn't at all. It's so interesting. Um, Yeah, I love it. And I think, uh, so, I mean, if we're doing like a versus here, so we both prefer the second one. Yes. Um, I think they're both very good, um, but just the idea that she tries to almost like beat him at his own game is very intriguing to me, especially since she's a woman. <laughs> you know, I'm always rooting for the the female, mm-hmm. and she does outsmart him at the end. Um, yeah. So it's exciting. Yeah, I agree. I think the reason I do enjoy the second one slightly more than the first one is because Sarah's more of a character. Aaron definitely kind of felt like a placeholder, and he definitely feel like he could be anybody. Anybody could be in Aaron's position. He feels like it is a POV the entire time. You know, we're just seeing this through a blank canvas, pretty much. And we do get a little bit more of him as he kind of explains the situation once he's out of the woods, pretty much. Um, but Sarah just is, she's more dynamic as a character. And I think it's much more of an interesting story to follow because she's also, she has a goal with this. She's not just here seeing this guy act weird. She's mm-hmm. here trying to get him to act weird. So it's interesting and it's really fun to watch. Right. The way that I would explain it is like, you know, those stories that we used to read on, um, what the fuck is that app? Oh my God, I can't think of it now. I'm looking for the app right now. <laughs> what is the app that people write stories on? Like smutty stories. Wattpad? Yes, okay. So what I picture, how I would explain the first one is that it's essentially like one of those Wattpad stories where instead of like a character's mm. name, mm-hmm. they put Y-N for your name. And that's what it feels like is like you're in his shoes the entire time. But this one you're more focused on Sarah than you are. Like you feel like more of a third wheel instead of being part of the story. Yeah. Which I love both those approaches. I really do. I liked the first movie literally just being like us getting to know the creep. Like we get a lot of him and Aaron has some moments here and there of showing some type of character. But like you said, it definitely is a why in situation there. Um, And in the second movie, they definitely expand on it. They give us an actual, person with depth and character and a goal and to see somebody that is so driven to success i guess in this scenario is interesting to put them up against a serial killer um so yeah i mean again wherever they go with the series i hope it continues forward i really do enjoy both these movies they really are um some of my favorite found footage horror films and i don't know i love it i love these movies they're a good time. Um, they really are. And they're fun to show people because they're so fucking weird. And it's fun to see people squirm a little bit. I would love to introduce somebody to this, mainly because I would be so focused on like seeing if they have the same types of reactions as I do. Um, 
And so like, I mean, as enjoyable, I think this is kind of just all found footage for me. I probably won't rewatch them unless I'm showing somebody else, but that doesn't take away their value. I think they're both really good movies, really good stories. And I am interested in a third, Um, but yeah, probably won't rewatch unless I'm showing somebody else. (laughs) Uh, And also shout out to the acting. Like, hell yeah. So good. Like, honestly, everything is so believable. And in found footage, sometimes the the believability dips in and out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think that just speaks to Mark Duplass's skill and and his, like, improv's not easy. I mean, being... And not that I'm a fucking professional or anything, but being in theater for as long as I was, like, you obviously have to improv a lot of things, especially in high pressure situations. But to improv an entire movie, especially with this type of um, energy, right. is wild to me. Uh huh. And adhering to a character and like mm-hmm. having to operate under the aspect of still being this character and like focusing on what they would see. I mean, that's what improv is obviously is putting yourself in like a position and just acting off of it. Um, but it's just so impressive. It really is. And Sarah is a, a cool final girl, honestly, for all intents and purposes, she's super cool. Um, her delusion gets her far, but her determination gets her out of the situation as well. I mean, besides the cliffhanger, it still gets her out of the situation. Um, and I don't know. I just love it so much. If you haven't seen these movies, I definitely recommend watching them. Let's go ahead and rate both of them. What would you rate the first one? What are we? Peach fuzz masks. So I would say the first one is a solid three for sure. Um, I would say the second one's probably like four, four, four and a half, somewhere in there. I really enjoy the second one. I'm going to give them both a four. Uh, I think they're both really good. I both enjoy both of them tremendously. Uh, On a personal basis, I do like the second one just slightly more than the first one. Um, But the POV aspect and the YN aspect of Aaron's character, (laughs) it's actually really cool. And the fact that you kind of explained it like that really kind of helps me enjoy that one a little tiny bit more. And I really enjoyed it a whole bunch. Um, So they're both solid fours for me. Um, I think if you ever get into the realm of introducing found footage to people, I think some of the basis of the films that you should show people are maybe the Blair Witch Project, just for sheer, uh, you know, iconery, I guess, that's going on there. I think you should show them Wreck, for sure, as well. I think it's fantastic. It's not English. It's a Spanish film, and it's fantastic. And I think a lot of the tropes and, like, the, the yanking from the camera, I mean, we've seen a lot taken from Wreck as well. So I would show people Wreck, and I would show people Creep. I think it's great. I think they're fantastic. I think that they take the premise of found footage and put it right in the limelight of where it should be. It's uneasy. Yeah. It's close. It's really retrospective. And like, I mean, if you're genuinely walking around with a video camera, this feels like the most believable aspect out of many of them. So I, or this seems like the most believable situation to be doing this. in. I guess you could say, yeah. um, so I love them so much and check them out. If you've never seen them, they're so unnerving and silly. Now, if you watch it multiple times, you'll start to see them as being really silly. <laughs> and again, our reaction, I'm not sure if our reaction is live for creep Two, but I know for a fact. Okay. So both of our live reactions are on Instagram. If you get bored and you want us to watch with you 
Well, you kind of get that little, a little bit of that feeling if you watch our lives. Um, so yeah, those are both are on our Instagrams. Yay! But yeah, Footage Month is over. Woo-hoo. Next month, obviously, is December. Um, we're gonna just go really easy with the theme, and you know, holiday horror, holiday <laughs> horror, evil Santa, Psycho Rudolph. You know, evil gingerbread men. We're doing that shit. Um, so yeah, so tune in next month. We're getting into holiday shenanigans. And Stormy, where can everybody find us? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle at slash underscore her underscore pod. You can find us on pretty much every streaming platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. You can email us at slash herpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us for another month and stick around for one more as we wrap up 2021. <laughs> we love you so much. Stay spooky. Stay spooky, everybody. Bye. Bye.